You are listening. You are listening. Podcast. Paul Cook Talks. He does other things too. Welcome. Thank you for pressing play. It's Paul. Getting our sea legs in podcasting here. That's the awesome thing about podcasting, though. Versus terrestrial radio, you can cover a variety of interests. You know, not like just stick to Taylor Swift and Kim Kardashian news. I want to do it all. Most of all, the common thread. This is a St. Louis podcast. A Midwest, heart of America podcast where I highlight things in this area. I don't mean I just stick to America heartland stuff. I'm just saying it's St. Louis. You're going to hear about it on Paul Cook Talks. And that also means things that aren't so much fun, but need some light, some awareness. Today, St. Louis's most famous unsolved murder case. And famous it is. Back in the 80s, it was in different magazines, all over TV. It's bizarre, and it happened right here in the STL. You get a famous homicide detective who's still working today, and a case that people could not believe. Not only the most famous murder case, most famous Jane Doe. They still don't know who it is. Imagine that. But this is dark. Just a warning. I think you can handle it. If you were around in the 80s, you may have heard about Little Jane Doe, a very famous and gruesome murder in St. Louis. My guest today, Sergeant Joe Burgoon, He was the one who worked the case back in 1983 and is still working it, which is why he's with us today. This case is famous today because of the condition of the body and the age. Little Jane Doe was found without a head. She had been beheaded. And the fact that they still don't know who she is is one of the biggest mysteries in St. Louis. Joe, tell me what you rolled up on in 1983. Well, we were in the office, the homicide office, and we got a call for a body in a building at 5635 Clemens. It was on February the 28th of 83. It's in the afternoon. It was around 2 o'clock. So then uh, all the available officers responded. And we, when we got out there, we met, uh, they had the uniform officers that got the call and the, and the uh the watch commander, supervisors, and everything, and it was all secured. Crime scene was secured. Okay. Okay, so then uh, our our sergeant was um, Herb Riley, and then Herb and, and, uh, and then the medical examiner investigator, Stan Stukowski, they went in there and they, where they found her, a uh, furnace room. It's, a, it's an abandoned building. The five multi-story abandoned building, and she was found, and it was in a basement. She had to go in the back way. The building was all boarded up, but there was um, some steps that they went in the basement, and you could walk through it. Now, there's no electricity in there, mm, no course, lights yeah. or anything. And the, the first room was a storage room. The second room was a furnace room, and then there was another storage room. 
and then the front of it was boarded up. So we had, you know, I had to get lights in there. Uh, but I, when you, eventually we went in there. We looked in there. We didn't go in there because you know the, you don't want to. You want to preserve the crime scene. Yeah. Still remember her, the victim. You know, she was laying face down, and you could see um, her hands behind her back with a red and white nylon rope. You could see she had um, some finger polish on her fingers. And then uh, we could see the back because she was laying face down. Uh, she had a yellow sweater. Yeah. Yellow sweater. So they were trying to, you know, see what, looking for evidence. And it was cold. It was a cold day. It's in February. You know, it wasn't freezing, but it was cold and damp oh, yeah. and dark. And there was some little bit of water running in there. Mm. You know. Spooky. So, uh, and so we went back up. How was it all discovered? The way this all started, there was two, two gentlemen in a car their timing belt broke in the car. So they decided to go down in the basement. They're looking for a pipe or something to try and get the pipe back. Oh, okay. Trying to get that belt back on there. The fellow, they went into that middle room and he flicked his lighter, you know, cigarette lighter. Mm -hmm. And when they saw what they saw, they come flying out of there and ran out of the building and they they went and they called the police. That's good. the police came. Wow. Okay, now you're in, and you're looking at her. And when they turned her over, we could see that she was a, a child. She wasn't a, a, an adult. She wasn't, you know, was no... Uh, it's the most alarming thing. When you yeah, heard she, that, I think she, I heard yeah. 8 to 11 years old. 8 to 11. She was tall She was tall for her age, you know, but, Jimmy, she was uh, just a child, not, not in the puberty. She wasn't in the puberty yet. Wow. You know. So tragic. So uh, we thought... We got a child here. We thought maybe she was reported missing. So we, when we went back to the homicide office, we started called, and the juvenile detectives were also with us. You know? mm-hmm. And then we went, and we're looking for missing persons, any fitting, anybody fitting that description. And then uh, we weren't coming up with anything. The next morning there was the, the autopsy, and that's when we got a little more information as far as you know, how tall she was. You know, she was... She was four foot ten. She was cut from here on, on her neck, mm, back of her neck. Back all the way. Oh, well, it was gone. The yes, head, the head was severed. It was gone. We didn't have a head. She had been decapitated. Yeah, and um, but she was four foot ten without without missing her head. And they figured about the medical examiner said she's probably around five foot four, which means why she's you would t- assume prostitute full. You know, well, past puberty. At the, at the time, yeah. we thought, you know, it could possibly have been a prostitute, you know, until we tur- turned her over and you saw she was a child. Unbelievable. You know, and then she only, she only weighed 60 pounds. Mm. But uh, she was she she was very clean. I mean, she wasn't an abu- abused child. She wasn't beaten or anything. Mm. Like, you know, like the, with belts or coat hangers. Probably no, marks no you've scarring, seen. Right, no, mm-hmm. mar- no marks of violence on her. And what about living on the street, uh, no, homeless? No, I don't think she was well. She was well cared for, and the, and the uh, criminalists, the uh, our lab people, they, when they saw her, the sweater she was wearing, and there was a label cut out of the of the sweater, but they said it was a, it had creases in it where it was folded before she put it on. So wow. and it wasn't uh, like little balls show up on sweaters when they're worn. Mm-hmm. There was nothing like that. So it was a new sweater. Do you think the perpetrator removed the head because of identification or something Possibly, else? Yeah, that's what that's a, that's what we thought all along. Uh, mm. 
Hall Cook with Sarge Burgoon talking about one of St. Louis's most unsolved murder cases. And what are you seeing around there? It was a stone foundation in that basement. And when they brought her in there, uh, you could see there were some um, st streaks of blood oh. when they brought her in. Now, her body was drained. There wasn't any blood in her, hardly in her body at all. Mm. And there was some on her sweater, you know, and some, it drained. We're trying, you know, they get measurements, and then we had a forensic anthropologist was the one he studied her bones, and he, that's when he said she was probably between the ages of 8 to 11 years old. Her, she was decapitated. There was some mold growing there. Mm. There was mold on her neck, and there was some skin slippage on her knees, and there was mold growing on that. Uh, medical examiner's office contacted the Missouri Botanical Garden, and then they... Uh, they came down and they uh, they took some samples of that mold, and they were able to grow a similar mold. Wow! And and uh, he said it, it it took four to five days to grow it. What a partnership with Missouri yeah. Botanical Garden! Yeah. But so and that's the time period. That's huh? the time frame. Wow! And they said it this type of mold grows in like a cave or or you or, or you grow mushrooms in it. It was a cold, damp, dark place, and that's exactly what where she was found. You know, yeah. when she found her. Right. Yeah. So probably been killed and decapitated elsewhere. Right there. Brought there. Brought there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, she was, uh, there was um, the autopsy revealed there was some uh, she, manual strangulation first. So she was. I didn't know that. Killed first and then, and then, uh, and then she uh, decapitated. Mm. So we, we started, you know, like I say, we're going back and going back on missing. So that's before. This is before we we had computers, but nothing uh, like they have now. Right, you know that everyone and, is connected. Yeah. And well, looking, we're checking, and we start calling police departments, local police departments, and and when in the city checking for missing children, and we weren't, we didn't come up with anything, and we called, you know, and the news media was involved in it. Yeah, uh, all the police departments, they didn't have anybody reported missing, you know, and. Uh, the juvenile was checking their their contacts. Uh, Illinois uh, contacted Illinois State Police and and that over there, and they started checking because we had a better description, you know. Mm -hmm. And they came up with nothing. Okay, so at this point, that's new in the investigation, really right. new. Isn't that a little bit startling that you, you would, don't have anything even yet? That's correct. Even though it's new. That's correct. Mm. You know, Missing child. That's it. She had no food in her stomach, huh? So it was very hard to determine. You know, part of that, part of the investigation that was the, during that time. It was when they had the uh, Cubans, the boat crisis, and they Castro kicked all the people out. Oh yeah, that one well, possibly she might have been she might have been Cuban. Okay, you know? and uh, we had an officer. We had an officer. What is he spoke Spanish? Oh, so he was attached to us, so he could help us out if we ever if it ever came to that. That's know? great. Yeah. So then uh, medical examiner, there, a closer examination when you looked at her, on her neck, where did... Where you have to think somebody is wondering what happened to that child oh, yeah. that they knew, you know, and maybe it's not a parent or uh, someone that might be dead now or uh, drugs or whatever, but someone knew that child and has to have wondered what happened and could identifier right oh, joe i think so yeah and man you know you talk to people even nowadays and they were little they were growing up when that happened and they still remember this 
what happened, you know. Yeah. It, it was in the paper quite a bit. Unbelievably tragic. You're listening to Paul Cook Talks, paulcooktalks.com. I'm with Sergeant Joe Burgoon. He's lived with St. Louis's most famous Jane Doe murder case since 1983. And maybe you have. Maybe you remember. People are scared. The parents, you see a lot of people waiting at bus stops with their children. Is that right? Up and, oh, yeah. Media, you know, trying to help, Media, but also yeah, yeah, people yeah, heard yeah. about it. Yeah, we'd, some, sometimes we get, we, sometimes we'd have a list made up, you know, we like these kids, like say Normandy School District, we can't locate these kids. Mm-hmm. And then we'd put the list out, give it to the news media, then the phone be ringing. So and so is here. So and so is there. So that's another one we. That's a great tool. Yeah, it was in it your was, tool yeah. belt yeah. there. Doing they did some work uh, oh, broadcasting yeah, thought, it out. Yeah, I got a call from um, it was a senator in Florida, uh, Paula Halkins. She was a United States senator. She one of her aides called up, and he was calling because that was when uh, John Walsh's little boy was. Missing Adam, and they found yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were, he called him and said, "How's it going?" And we, we explained everything we were doing, step by step. And he says, you, "You're doing everything the right way." Mm. He told us you're not doing, you know. And uh, they they finally they found his little boy, but they didn't find his body. They found his head. You know, is that right? I didn't know that yeah. was an element of this. I remember hearing it now. Yeah. Oh, so that is a method. Some people prescribed to some killers or you, know, or, you don't know you know yeah uh, did, you, did you ever hear much of that uh beheading no no not not more than that uh they have a program later on it started two years later in the fbi it's called vicap mm. violent criminal apprehension program and it's it's involves uh unsolved homicides sexual assaults missing missing persons missing children and you know and, and not just the runaways but serious missings mm, mm. and uh, so that was it was the first case we put in you know wow and uh later on several years later he, and he, he said that uh, the gentleman's name was terry green that uh you know and he was in charge of the vicap thing he says we haven't had another case like this huh. with the little girl being kept decapitated nothing like that nothing before like that one you know um and since no right no one time you have a steel trap of a mind for these details <laughs> of all these cases. And I know maybe not every single one, but no, these the ones, ones that you, mean so much to you. The ones you worked on, a lot mm-hmm. of them you do. A lot, them, a lot of them you don't. But I mean, everybody was very uh, dedicated to doing, trying to find out who did this. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of, it was a, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, you get a lead and you go, oh, these boy, highs. we got on this one. <laughs> this might be it. Okay, yeah, nothing. Yeah. And some, some of them looked pretty good, but he didn't, you know. But uh, we but we, we found the, the children mm-hmm. that, that they were all right. You know, that's the main. Oh, yeah. I mean, the kids that you were looking for when you put it out to the schools, you located them. And this horrible murder at least caused you to find some other kids. That's a huge benefit to this yeah. thing, a, a yeah. silver lining. Do you allow yourself, I mean, you're always thinking a clue here. I mean, that was interesting about no little balls on the shirt. Do you allow yourself to speculate uh, what actually happened or yeah, would that limit you? We don't you? know. You know. We yeah. just don't know. We don't know where it happened, you know, stuff like that. Um, you could guess all you want. You just don't know. It's just a mystery. Yeah. Sarge, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. I want to put some light on these things. We've run out of time for today, but 
I really am so grateful for your time. You didn't have to give it to me, and uh, I thank you so much. Hopefully, we're going to send out, uh, you know, uh, a beacon on this and get somebody to, that knows something somebody. about. Yeah, have them. Uh... City Homicide, you know, the number is 314-444-5371. And they'll hook Great. him up with the detectives that uh, are, if you want a you know, cold case, uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple of sergeants down there, Brian McGlynn and Scott Ecker. Okay. You know, and, and they're, they're, that's who I deal with. They're, and if I need something, I ask, I call and ask the big boys down there. Mm. <laughs> well, you're a treasure, man. Yeah. They better include you. Yeah. <laughs> thank well, you. Th- thank you very much, Paul. You got it. And former homicide detective Sarge Joe Burgoon says he thinks that murder will be solved someday. We will know who little Jane Doe was. Incredibly, tragically cut short. Sarge is going to come back on our next podcast, and this case is famous too. It's the most famous double murder case in St. Louis. Happened in front of my door where I lived for 15 years, it actually happened in 1980. I didn't move there till 2005, and I had no idea the murders of Ellen Dooling and Gary Consolino in St. Louis Hills. Really, they think a serial killer could have done this back then. Thank you for listening to Paul Cook Talks. We're shining light, baby. Hopefully, I hope there's a little light. I know you're probably a little icked out, too. I'm with you.